0: Come on now. Everybody say praise the Lord. Man, I, I heard Pentecost breaking out out here. I was backstage about to come out and like, dang, God is moving. Now, if, if, if you're not familiar with our church, and I know we got a lot of guests coming these days, um, you might say, those people are cray-cray. And I just want to let you know, we, we, are, we are fools. Paul said, we are fools for Christ. This is not your mama's church, nothing against your mama's church, but we we just believe this stuff, and uh, when my sister gets going like that, and she prays for her manservant, oh, my Lord, I feel like I'm ready to preach the paint off the walls. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, if, if, if that's a little, little much for you, it doesn't matter. I'm so glad you are here. We have plenty of down times where you can take a breath and uh, just hang with us. We're glad you're here. Uh, can you help me welcome all the campuses? Come on. We want to welcome the Garner campus. Got Pastor Derek and, and Pastor Fran over there, my executive pastor. We got Pastor Josh in Sanford, all the exciting news that's going down in Sanford. I don't know if you heard, but we're... We're giving them the building. We're launching a sister church over there. Got Hillsboro campus. Got my executive pastor, Reese, over there today. Excited about those folks. Those of you who are online, we're excited. And uh, I don't know if you missed it last week, but I just want to hit it ever so quickly. Uh, big news. We are strategically and intentionally and purposefully uh, moving from a multi-site strategy to a single site strategy, we are doubling down on Durham, baby. We are, we are releasing resources and we are celebrating all that God has done. So it gives me a chance just to pause. And say thank you to every single person who has ever served at our campuses, who have ever given, been in a life group, whatever, to reach, teach, and release. It was not in vain. God moved, and we saw thousands of people at those campuses to get saved and discipled and released. And we're just so, so grateful for what God did. But we're also very, very excited. To welcome some of those folks back to Durham. Some are gonna go online, and we are just fired up about the season that we are in. If you weren't here last week, I won't camp out on it much, but I gave four quick reasons. Uh, the first is we are convinced that COVID has changed everything, and we have moved from a, a physical model with multi site to the reality that we live in a digital day, a digital Era and multi-site goes all the way back to the early 1990s. We did it for 11 years, 11 years. But we are convinced now with doubling down on Durham with this post online ministry, continuing to build an online ministry and take missions to the world. I mean, continuing our Kenya effort with with that Hope Center over there, launching other Hope Centers around the world. Can I get an amen? Like, we're fired up about that. We believe that, that doubling down here and online and missions, Hope Missions, is going to give us our greatest potential to reach, teach, and release. The truth is, uh, and we like to keep it real here, we, we're just finding that it's unsustainable, the core value of excellence that we have at New Hope. And lastly, and this is, this is most importantly... You should know that your leadership team, we have been on our knees, we have been seeking the heart of God, and we have been praying, and we believe that God is leading us here, and we're fired up about what is to come. Next Sunday, it's already been mentioned, let me just say it, baptism's here next Sunday, then the fall fest, hope you'll come and be a part of that. Let's pray together. Father, take our minds and think through them. God, take our hearts and fill with them today. God, take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. Father, I thank you for every brother and sister who is a New or who is here at the Durham campus or who is at another campus or who is online. Father, thank you that we are family Thank you that we are connected, and thank you that this digital era that we live in makes it so much easier to be a part of a worldwide New Hope movement. Anoint us, O oh God. Help us minister out of a position of strength, and help us continue to take territory against the enemy, to push back the darkness and lift high the light of Christ. We love you today, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Exodus 14. If you brought your Bibles, you can grab it on your phone, whatever the case may be. If you're new here, uh, we've we've been in a series called Red Sea Rules. And we're we're in week five. And so we have covered four Red Sea Rules straight from Exodus 14. I mean, we have been mining this passage for gold for the last four weeks. And I said this a few times, but I just want to camp out on it for just a moment. This has been a series... That, that holds in tension the sovereignty of God and the suffering of God's people. Everybody say sovereignty. sovereignty. Everybody say suffering. I've said a few times that I believe the church has not done a good job, and I've apologized for this, and I'm talking about the church universal, but if I'm guilty, I'm sorry. I think the church has not done a good job of teaching God's people how to develop a robust theology of suffering, The church is guilty of just putting a mask on, right? Not the kind of mask many of you are wearing, but just putting a mask on. Hey, we're all good. Praise the Lord. Our lives can be falling apart. But we say we're doing good. And so as a result, we've kind of had this shiny, shiny Christianity without dealing with the reality in that we live in a broken world, and as Christians, we will suffer too. And so that's what we've been doing. And so Today, what I'm going to do is, I, as I got down and got ready to prepare this week, I looked at where we've been, and I realized we have, we've, we've extrapolated so much from the biblical text. I'm going to connect some dots today, and if you've been here every Sunday, you're going to love this, because we're going to drill down a little bit more and go a little bit deeper in some of the things we've talked about. If you weren't here every Sunday, you're going to love this, because this is going to be by way of review, so that you can walk out of here today, hopefully digesting These four Red Sea rules. Now, to get us into it today, I wanna introduce you to a new word. I think you're gonna love it, and and as you know, I love words. I'll make up words in a heartbeat. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) I'm not making up this word, but the chances are maybe you haven't heard of this word. It's called eucatastrophe. Oh, somebody just said it with me. I love this church. You just talk back to me. On the count of three, everybody say eucatastrophe. One, two, three. The word comes from the Greek prefix eu for you, meaning good. And then we know what catastrophe means, right? Catastrophe is typically a turning of events, a sudden turning of events where, where damage takes place, sometimes consequential damage. So if you take these two words, you catastrophe, you and catastrophe, and you put them together, it basically means it's a catastrophe that is redeemed for good in the end. It was J.R.R. Tolkien, who was the author of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, it was Tolkien who, who coined this phrase, and this is how he coined it. Eucatastrophe depicts the sudden turn of events at the end of a story, which ensures that the protagonist does not meet some terrible impending doom which has been growing more and more imminent. It describes, I love this next phrase, it describes that uplifting and unexpected moment when everything goes right beyond anyone's hopes. Now pause for just a moment. Aren't you hoping and praying that 2020 and 2021 Will at the end of the day be a catastrophe that God redeems for his good in your life and in my life? I don't know about you, but that's what I've been praying lately. God, it's been a hard 18 months. Will you redeem it? By the way, Hollywood has picked up on this. If you're, how many movie buffs do I have in the house? Movie buffs? I'm a big movie buff. Hollywood is struggling. Don't know what's gonna happen there. But hey, movies are being made everywhere now. And and movies have always played into this good triumphs evil in the end. Light shines out darkness in the end. Here's some movies where if you've seen these movies, you'll, you'll, you'll pick up what I'm talking about on a eucatastrophe. You guys seen this one, Black Hawk Down? Great movie, right? Great movie with a eucatastrophe at the end of redemption. How about Braveheart? Freedom! if you haven't seen that if you're a young person and you haven't seen Braveheart you need to accept the Lord and go watch Braveheart <laughs> how about the trilogy I mentioned Tolkien Lord of the Rings what a great you catastrophe, right Saving Mr. Banks what a great movie I don't know about you but like I don't know that I've ever seen a movie by Tom Hanks that I don't like great actor love this actor and then here's one I'm gonna go ahead and warn you this is probably not probably it is one of my all time favorite movies I'm sorry, the language is bad, but this movie is awesome. And the catastrophe involves a prisoner by the name of Andy Dupree who escapes in Shawshank Redemption, baby. That is a great, great movie. My brother down front liked it. The Egyptian army was approaching. Exodus 14. Their back is against the wall, as it were. It was against the Red Sea wall. Pharaoh and the Egyptians are charging at them. They are in a tough, tough situation. God redeems it, as we've discussed in the last four weeks, and from this text, we can pull so much biblical truth. I mean enough to last us for the next year, so let's go get this. If you were here week one, this was the rule that we covered Week one, everybody read it out loud together with me. Ready, go. A critical part of maturing as a follower of Jesus is realizing that God means for me to be right where I am at this moment in time. Guys, that's a game changer. What that gives you is great comfort, and confidence that nothing happens outside of the sovereign control of God. God either sends us into hard times or as one scholar has said, God has bound himself to our free will. He has given us free will and therefore he allows us to enter into hard times. The, the verse of scripture that we camped out on that day was verses one and two of chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Heroth. Between Migdal and the sea, they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of bel Zephon." To which many of you would say, so what? What does that mean to me? If you, if you look at a map of the Holy Land, they were up in bondage with Egypt. Their destination was the Holy Land, the Promised Land. All they had to do was go straight across, but instead, God sent them, I'll say it, on a wild goose chase, where they had to go down to the banks of the Red Sea, get in a mess, a trouble, if you will, where God was going to deliver this catastrophe and redeem their story. It would, be, it would be as if you and I were together later today and we said, hey, let's go visit, I don't know, Let's go visit the Garner campus. And you said, cool. I said, you drive. And you said, cool. You jumped in the driver's seat, and we, we took off for Garner, or so I thought, and you decided to go by Sanford to get to Garner. Say, what? Or I'd say, let's go to the Hillsboro campus, and we know where that is, right? Right now, 40, piece of cake. And you, you get in the driver's seat, and you decide to take us to Hillsboro via Garner. It's the opposite way, down 40. And the whole point of that that message and that teaching is that God sent them into this difficult time where God had a plan to redeem it. Again, this is a game changer because I don't know if you've ever thought about this and this is not good news, this is just reality. I got good news, don't worry. But here's the reality of life. You are either in a storm coming out of a storm, or heading into a storm. Come on, for the people who lived life, is that not true? Like, come on, I mean, every, everybody, we're all in the same boat. Every single person here, what's up, balcony people? What's up? Balcony filling up these days. Those of you online, at a campus, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you might say, no, no, I'm great, I'm great, I'm good. Life is good, praise Jesus, guess what? You're getting ready to go into a storm. And I know, I know, that's not something to go praise the Lord about, right? That's just the reality of life. But the unmistakable implication of Exodus 13, 17 through 18 and Exodus 14, one and two is that the Lord, who? The Lord took responsibility for leading them into this peril and he gave them specific directions but he had their back every step of the way, and the key point about this, guys, is that we remember the process is just as important as the promise. Hello, the process of where you are, whatever your storm is, instead of doing what I do, this is where I make a mistake. I just want to get out of the storm. Anybody with me? I just want to pass. I, I'll pass. I just want to get. I just want to get to the the payoff. I want to get to the promise, and God says, No, 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 no. What you really need to do is actually let me minister to you in the midst of this storm so that you actually embrace the process and let me mature you and grow you in the process. I say it like this in my notes. We cannot experience the promises of God, hello, without enduring the processes of God. So instead of you and I just wanting to get out of 2020 and now 2021, and I think we are coming out, praise God. I see us returning more and more to some normalcy in our world. But the question we should be asking ourselves is, not God, can you just get us out of this? But instead, God, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of this season? What are you trying to show me? How will this test Become a testimony where my story gives praise and honor to your glory. Can I get an amen? That's week number one. Don't skip the process. Number two, you did so well last time. Let's read it out loud. Go. God's past faithfulness is our anchor for future deliverance. This is the week that we had Pastor Clayton King here. And that brother, I love that brother. He can preach. He's gonna become more of a regular teaching pastor here. So excited about his ministry among us. But what he did was, without saying it, he camped out on a very Pauline characteristic. What I mean by that is, this is what the Apostle Paul did in the New Testament all the time. It's really good for us to remember this. Paul, when he would go through a storm or a hardship, he would look to the past faithfulness of God And from that faithfulness, he would draw strength to make it through the current storm and know that God would see him through it again. Exodus 14, four. Come on, let's read scripture together, go. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So where's God been faithful in your life before? Just pause right there for a moment because I wish I could see on a screen all the thoughts in your mind right now. Like, Like where's God most shown his faithfulness in your life? Maybe you go back to your childhood. Maybe you go back to meeting your spouse. Maybe you go back to when you had kids. Maybe you go back to something very, very recent. But this is when when, when Pastor Clayton got up here and started teaching, this is when I knew, oh God, you you really wanna teach our church something about the meantime, about the in-between time. Because between the promise and the payoff is the process, and the process is actually the point. Hello. If you skip the process, you won't ever get the payoff. So before we so eagerly bounce out of this season that we've been in, again, have you been asking yourself, and if you haven't, don't beat up yourself, be gracious with yourself. It, I, I couldn't start doing some of this till late in 2020. It, I'm, I, I was slow. But since late in 2020, I've been asking myself this question. Not how quickly can we get out of this. I've been asking myself this question, and I invite you to ask yourself the same. God, what are you wanting to teach me in the midst of this season? Because come on, none of us are ever going to forget 2020 and 2021, right? I mean, we're going to be telling our grandkids we lived through COVID, right? But what God's most interested in is what did you learn about my faithfulness in the midst of it? How did you allow that storm to shape you and craft you so that you became more like my son, Jesus? How did you allow that storm to mold you? Because I don't know if you have forgotten, but our God is the potter, and we are the what? We're the clay, and he's molding us. Let's read it out loud together, Isaiah 64, Eight, go. Yet you, Lord, are our father. He's a good father, amen? Amen. Let's continue. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hands. So you just picture a potter with some clay and God is just molding us and he is shaping us. And what that means is we, we transition from what if people to even if. What if my kids go out in the far country? What if I lose my job? What if I can't get over this storm? What if my relationships fail? What if gas and food prices spike? Hello. What if, what if, what if? We transition from being what if worried people who are always stressing out to even if. Even if my kids go in the far country, I'm gonna praise you, Lord God. Even if I lose my job, I'm going to trust you and praise you, God. Even if my relationships fall, I'm going to be in church and sometimes with tears coming down my face and they might not be tears of joy, they might be tears of anguish. Even if I'm going to worship and praise and trust Almighty God. Even if, God, you have me. Red Sea rule number three. This is when I... I tried my best to talk to you about a day-by-day God. Let's, let's go out, out, out together, ready? When unsure about the future, just take the next what? Faithful step day-by-day and watch what God will do. He's a day-by-day God. Again, I'm just, I'm just confessing all kind of stuff up here with you today. I have a tendency to wanna look out and plan everything out. Do I have a witness? Anybody else like me? I, I, I'm a, I like to dot the I's and cross the T's, baby. I want to I think about this and that. I, I, I tend to li- I'm I to. a visionary, so I tend to live out in the future. And what God has knocked me upside the head with a lot lately is, hey, here's what you need to do. You don't know the future. You will never know the future Exactly. And you can plan to the best of your ability, but at the end of the day, you better trust you don't know the future, Benji, but you know who holds the future. So what you better do is learn to trust me today. Today. Uh, We didn't really camp out on this any, but if you go back and read this part of Scripture, this is where God started to provide their food day by day. How many of you have freezers at home? Now, 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 be truthful, don't lie, you're in the house of the Lord. How many of you have a freezer on your refrigerator, but you also got a freezer in the garage where you be freezing everything, making sure you got food for the future, right? And guess what, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convicting you like I do the same thing. But what's cool about this part of Scripture is God would provide for them manna in the morning, bread, little bread wafers, if you will, manna in the morning and quail at night. And guess what? He only provided enough for them for that day. And if they tried to store it up, you you know you and I'd be over there. (laughs) I'd be be sticking me a wafer in my pocket. You know I would. If you did, you got in trouble, man. God said, no, 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 I'm gonna give it to you today. And then what's so cool, God is so cool like this. On the the day before the Sabbath, when they weren't supposed to do anything, they're supposed to rest, God gave them enough for two days. He is a day-by-day God. Everybody say day-by-day. And in this scripture in Exodus 14, 13 and 14, I pointed out, and you can read it later, I pulled out four key truths. And I just wanna repeat them real quickly. Day-by-day God commands us, repeat after me, do not fear, stand firm, be still, move on. Come on, everybody at all the campuses, those of you online, I don't care if your family thinks you're crazy because you're talking to yourself. Everybody together, ready? Say after me. Do not fear. Do not fear. Stand, firm, stand firm. Be still. Be still. And, move and move on. Now, we at Praise God is right. Leave those up there if you don't mind. For those of you who tend to be a little more lethargic, a little more complacent, you like the first three. But the fourth one is equally important. And those of you who have an action or a bias towards action, you like number four, but you don't care much about the first three. And you gotta keep them all together. But it gives me a chance to say, especially for those of you who might be online or at the campuses or maybe many of you in here, for some of you, it's time to move on. Some of you had, had great dreams before COVID. But you've put those on the back burner and you've stopped pursuing them. Somebody told me not long ago that they, they had started to, to actually start the very beginning, first part of the manuscript for a book. And they, they put it on the back burner for COVID. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're thinking about going back to school. You're going, you you wanna go get an education but COVID sucker punched you like it sucker punched me, and, and you've just kind of gotten lethargic and, and you, haven't, you haven't done it. Maybe some of you are thinking about getting in the dating scene, but you're not sure where to start or how to begin. Some of you just need to move forward to actually start to develop again a bias towards action. It's biblical. Yes, we are to stand firm. Yes, we are not to fear God. Yes, we are to hear from God, but eventually we gotta move on. Have you guys ever heard? <laughs> my, my grandma had this on the wall. You guys ever heard the poem uh, Footprints in the Sand? It's, it's sweet. It's a sweet little poem. And um, it's a little serpy sweet. And there's such, such great truth to it but sometimes Christianity, man, Christians, we, we have been notorious for the, over the years to, 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 to do some cheesy stuff. And if you got footprints on the sand in your house, again, my grandma did, and God bless my grandma and granddad, They're awesome Christians. My grandparents, when they got married, they bought two things. They bought a coffee pot and a Bible. Praise the Lord. That's too good. That's good stuff right there. I, I can do all things through Christ and coffee. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? That's what I say every morning. Um, but footprints in the sand, you remember, it? have you ever heard of it? Give me a sure, show sure of hands if you've, you've heard of footprints in the sand. Yeah, you've probably, you probably seen it. It goes like this. One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. You can hear the author thinking, oh no, what happened? Right? This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said, once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most... You would leave me, he whispered. The Lord did. My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. How sweet. How serpy sweet. Can I introduce you to another poem? It's not called footprints in the sand. It's called butt prints in the sand. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Butt prints. We even even got a graphic for you. (laughs) The footprints look like they're about a size nine. I don't know what the butt print is. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared, and I asked the Lord, What have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat. But, Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, For miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Because in life there comes a time, come on, when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. Now, some of you aren't even sure you should clap at that. (laughs) Trust me. That's good theology. Trust me. Don't mishear me. There are times when God carries us, and I don't know about you, but like I don't, I wouldn't even be here today if God didn't carry me through some hard times. Thank, Thank God that He carries us. Amen. He He carries His children when we need to be carried. But don't camp out on that theology too long. You need to know that after he carries us, there are times when God would say to every single person here, It's time for you to get up and move on. It's time for you to be a victor and not a victim. It's time for you to trust me and take a step of faith and know that I am with you and together we can do great things. This is so, so important. So again, I ask you, what is it that you need to just move on what is it that you need to take a step towards and some of you are sitting here I know this I know this. some of you are sitting here going well I will but I don't know what step to take right I mean that, that's the hard thing I don't know I don't know where to turn pastor I, if I just had great clarity I would take that step I would move on and and and, and hear my heart I totally understand what you're saying I get it been there done that, but this is where the sovereignty of God that I've been talking about in this series is so key. What I mean by that is there are times when we don't know exactly what step to take or what direction to go, but remember Hebrews 11.1 one says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, So there are times when all of us will not see the full picture. We will not see exactly what we are to do. But if you know that God is sovereign, hello, and you know that God is in control, and we know that God cares for his children, quite often what he calls me to do and what he calls you to do is just take a step nonetheless. Just move. And as you move, this is so liberating. Again, those of you who are worry warts and you stress out over everything and you got to see the whole picture, this is so liberating for us. Once we learn to lean into the sovereignty of God, I can take great comfort in the fact that I can take a step of faith and know that as I do, God will reveal himself to me and he will have my back every step of the way. This takes us to last week's message where the one and only Abby Ferguson, right here to my right, preached a fantastic message with this Red Sea rule out loud together. Ready, church? Go. In hardships, trust and obey God. One more time. In hardships, trust and obey God. This is so connected to what I was just saying, so I don't need to spend a ton of time on it. We are called to trust and obey. And as the old hymn used to sing, right? For there's no better way but to trust and obey. And what I loved about what Abby did last week and I I have heard scholars say this over the years. I remember studying this at Duke, and I wasn't buying it at first. But as I heard Abby talk about it last week, and I went this week and studied the scriptures a little bit more. I've actually concluded that what I'm about to say is probably true, it's one of those things we don't know for sure. But do you remember how Abby spoke last week about the fact, I think it was around verse 21 of chapter 14, she pointed out how God pushed back the water, remember, all night long? Y'all remember that? And she said, you know, on a good day, that was eight hours. Now. Could God have just spoken and the the water parted? Absolutely. He's sovereign. He, he's in full control. But the Bible says that for eight hours, God pushed back the water. Again, as I studied it in seminary, I remember scholars saying that, that they believed, and I've come to this conclusion now, that as ancient Israel stepped forward, remember, God told Moses, remember, raise up your staff. And Moses had to trust and obey. You know Moses was thinking, they're going to think I'm a fool. I'm about to tell them the water's gonna part. He's all, he'd already lost a lot of street credibility, if you know what I mean. He'd already led them on a wild goose chase. Moses had to trust and obey, raise up his staff. The water parted all night long. What I've come to believe is that as ancient Israel trusted and obeyed and stepped in obedience to God, God parted the water it was a gradual parting of the water that was not dependent upon their obedience but it was in corroboration if you will with the obedience of God's people we trust and obey and then Abby said this I love this Abby if you stop trying to figure it out you will see that God's already working it out come on now if you stop trying to figure it out, Benji, God's already working it out. The question is, will you just trust and obey? And guys, I'm here to tell you, and I, I'm kind of saddened to wrap up this series. This has been a good one. And I hope you'll take those four rules And I hope you'll write them down, laminate them, put them in front of you, put them on your nightstand, put them in your car, put them in your wallet. I don't care what you do with them. But I hope you'll visit these rules on a regular basis. They are biblical principles, not rules in the sense that, you know, na, 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 na. These are principles where God has spoken through his people and God has enabled us to live in the hardest of times. Have you ever thought about this? This is this is nowhere in my notes. I just, I feel led to say this. God could have had you and me born at any time in history. You know that? But God's sovereign, remember? He chose for you and me to live in the 21st century. And he chose that we would live in a time where we would go through the last 18 months that we have gone through, which tells me that he deemed us worthy to weather such a storm. And he is faithful. And if you will work these rules, if you will put these to memory, God will redeem 2020 and 2021. And when the next storm rolls around, guess what? It will. You will be more prepared for this next one than we were for this last one. And you will be able to stand in the midst of it all and say, it is well with my soul. That's a song that we're gonna do in just a moment. And and, and you know that hymn. And we're gonna couple it with the song, through it all, through it all, God. Through the last 18 months, God. As I've camped out in scripture, and I've started to digest these biblical principles, I can stand in the midst of it all and say it is well with my soul. Just feel led to say right now. And if when we stand up to sing, it is not well with your soul, Borrow some of my faith and sing it nonetheless. Stand up and speak it into existence. God, I'm dying over here. I don't even know that I can get up out of bed tomorrow. My relationships are broken. I don't know about my job I look at the news and I see how broken this world is. But God, I'm gonna trust you. But God, I'm going to believe that you are still the God of the catastrophe. You see, the beautiful thing about Christianity, since I've already talked about it sometimes being cheesy, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that our faith is based upon the greatest eucatastrophe of all time. Hello. The greatest truth about Christianity is that we serve a God who is not insulated and immune, if you will, from the hardships of life, but ours is a God who came among us 33 years and walked among us and showed us the way 2,000 years ago. And when it got to the end of his life, He looked at your sin and he looked at my sin and he looked at the brokenness of humanity and he said, someone has to pay their sin debt. And so on Thursday, he gathered with his disciples in an upper room, God in the flesh. You'd think he would, the sovereign one would say, serve me, right, serve me, I'm the king. No, 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 no. He got down on his knees And he took the role of a servant, and he washed their feet. That's John's telling of that night. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that on that very night, he also took a piece of bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. When the supper was over, he took a a cup of wine. He said, this is the wine of the new covenant. My blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And when he left that night, we don't know exactly when it happened, but we know that sometime between Thursday night and Good Friday, they arrested him. They accused him. They beat him. They mocked him. They spit on him. They thrust a crown of thorns on his head. They spread wide his arms and they put nails and spikes in his hands and his feet and they crucified him. And he hung on the cross on Good Friday for six long, agonizing hours. They took him down. They placed him in a borrowed tomb and they shut the door and darkness permeated the planet. Saturday, it was silent. But again, we don't know exactly when. But sometime after Saturday midnight on Sunday morning, God took what seemed like the greatest catastrophe of all time, and he redeemed it for his good and his glory, and he raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, lifted him up. It said, if you believe in me, you too shall live, and your sins can be forgiven, and your life can be victorious, and you can know that it doesn't matter how bad it gets, with God on your side, it will be redeemed for good, and he will get glory through your story. Praise his holy name. stand to your feet. We're going to sing in just a moment, but I want to pray with us. All heads bowed, eyes closed. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you that you gave birth to your church. Father, thank you for this series that we've been in. It has truly been inspired of you. And Father, I pray for every single person here today, God, I know that there are pretty much two groups of people. There are those who can stand right now and they can declare, it is well. They've marinated in your word and your sovereignty and, and they can declare, it is well, God. Though the world seems to be going to hell, it is well in my soul. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for this moment where we're about to explode in worship and let you know that we trust you and we obey you and it is well. But God, I don't ever wanna be a church that practices some shiny form of Christianity, some, some plastic version where we have to declare it is well when maybe it's not so well. So Father, I pray for the woman or the man, the student, the child who is here. And God, they're having a hard time declaring it as well. I pray that in this moment, oh God, they would get called up in the Holy Spirit that you will send. And that they will join others in singing, maybe even with tears rolling down their face. Maybe with a heart that is breaking on the inside and still nonetheless will declare, it is well. I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna trust that it is going to work out. And if that's you, or maybe some version of you and you're here today and and you don't know Christ, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, but something has tugged on your heartstrings today And you know that you need the gospel of hope. You know that you have been finding yourself more and more hopeless. I'm gonna keep it very simple today. This is between you and God, but would you just say this prayer in your heart of hearts? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you to give me hope. I need you to give me new hope. And so God, I don't know what tomorrow holds and there's all kinds of brokenness and damage and hurt and confusion and pain in my life right now. But I believe that you are the answer. I believe that you are the only hope that this world has to offer. So just pray this between you and God. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take over my mind. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And now I'm gonna stand with my brothers and sisters and I'm going to declare that it is well with my soul and I'm going to trust you and you alone. Have your way with my life. Have your way today. For I trust you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said together, amen and amen. Would you, yeah, would you let those who just prayed, would you let them know how we feel about them right now?